What up, what up? Welcome to the There's More podcast. This is Hannah Nitz. I'm just pumped that you joined for another week of conversation. This podcast is essentially talking about how awesome God is, but not in a cheesy way <laughs> like me just singing that. Uh, I love talking about the more. I love the gift of salvation, of getting to know Jesus, of stepping into um, them learning how to live like him and be like him. But after that, I kind of stopped. And for 10 years, I just took a little uh, rest stop, detour, intermission. I don't know. I just felt like I had all there was to God. And over this last year, I've learned that there is so much more. I'm talking like something, a huge amount. I was going to say gallons, but gallons aren't that large. If I was smarter than that, I'd come up with a bigger term than gallons. <laughs> tons. That's a lot. There's tons. <laughs> a ton is 2,000 pounds, okay? Anyway, there's just so much to experience and enjoy in God. And that is the invitation of this podcast, is inviting you to the more. Today, we are talking about uh, the more in the Bible. So we're going to have um, this conversation based off of a few different verses that I've been reading, uh, specifically in the book of Psalms. So here we go. In college, I majored in social work, but my minor was actually in communications, which was, you know, before the world of podcasting was as hot to trot as it is now. So unfortunately, I didn't learn about that. But I do remember taking this media class where for almost the entire semester, we studied commercials. We studied what commercials were on during what time of day. Like you could tell who the target market was of the TV show or of um, the sporting event that was on based on what kind of commercials you saw. Um, and I remember being so fascinated by this. I've just loved media and communications and that whole world forever and marketing. I'm just, I've been a sucker for it. So, um, one thing that I remember noticing is how many food commercials there were. And I don't know if you've ever sat down and like the dorky college student that I was tracked how many food commercials you would see in a day. This was before Netflix when we used to watch commercials. Um, but man, I remember realizing that like every other commercial was about food, like the drive through burger, the sugary lattes, the cook at home meal kits. Uh, well, that's more commercial now than back then. <laughs> um, the Eminem characters poking fun at each other, funny Doritos commercials, the new DQ blizzard is half off. Uh, it's everywhere. Like you can't watch TV and not see a commercial about food, multiple commercials about food. Food's talked about all the time. Probably the other half of commercials um, are just trying to get you to buy in or desire this like lovely lifestyle, something better than what you have now. So, I mean, every commercial is trying to get <laughs> trying to get you to spend money. Let's be real. But sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's just like, hey, you know, spend your money on this or look at the happiness you would have. Or how different your life would be if you bought this product. Um, you know, the draw to spend money is everywhere, though. It's not just in commercials. Probably, internally, for you, 
Um, It's what you think about as you pay your bills. Or maybe today you were uh, sitting on your back porch and you saw your neighbor getting a new uh, lawnmower out and are like, dang, that's nice. I wish we had a newer, nicer one. Or uh, you saw a nice car pull up at the stoplight and we're like, man, this minivan I'm driving ain't as hot as that. At some point this week, maybe even today, honestly, you've probably thought to yourself, I wish I could buy that or I wish I could afford that. So this is what a whole semester studying commercials taught me. (laughs) Thanks for paying for that, mom. (laughs) mom and dad. Food and money. I mean, that's what it all boils down to. Are we really that simple? Uh, Yes. Even if you look at the top two New Year's resolutions year after year after year, like if you Google what are the top New Year's resolutions every year for however long it's been tracked, it's always to eat less food and spend less money. Like this is so built into who we are, no matter your age or background. Like we are born with this insatiable desire for hunger, for both of those things, for hunger for food and for hunger for money or what money can do for us. So this is why I was like blown away. Uh, last month as I was reading through Psalm 19 and I ran across a verse that talked about something being even better than food and even better than money, which, you know, is a big deal with that background (laughs) that I just gave. So it's five verses that are describing the law of the Lord. Uh, and I really was caught by this description in verse 10. It says more to be desired are they than gold even much finer gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Okay, so gold, which is like one of the highest currencies in the Bible, the honeycomb, which is one of the sweetest tastes available to um, people in the Bible times. This verse is saying that the Bible is better than that. Like it's saying the law of the Lord. It's saying that God's word is better than like straight homie, like stacks of cash and buckets of sugar. And I guess that for a lot of my life, I would have read a verse like that and just thought it was more hyperbole, I guess would be the right word, or just um, exaggerated or just like, this is just someone being poetic to God. (laughs) You know, it's like when you tell the love of your life, like, I love you more than anything else. And then you know, slowly over time, you start prioritizing things over your spouse. I'm like, this is just some romantic love language, right? That's what I would have thought before. But man, when I read it this time, I was like, God, I think that's true. Like, I actually believe that your word is better than stacks of cash and better than sugar-coated goodness. Um, I found another verse that said something similar in Psalm 119, 14. It says, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. And then verse 72 says, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. So I would say for the past 10 years, I didn't like the Bible. I know I shouldn't say it. Uh, who gave this girl a podcast? Um, 
I know I shouldn't say it that bluntly, but I just didn't ever crave the Bible. Like, I thought it was nice. (laughs) I appreciated it. I liked when our pastor would teach sermons out of it, and I loved when there were verses that would give wisdom to a situation I was in. Or, um, man, the story of the gospel is just bomb. Like, I would read that, and I'd be like, man, I did nothing. God did everything. Like, how sweet is this gift? I loved God. I loved Christian community. But if I look back on the last 10 years of my life, I rarely ever sat down to read the Bible for fun. Seriously. Like, I, for fun, let me think about this. (laughs) Oh, geez. I don't think I ever would read the Bible for fun over the last 10 years. Instead, I would use words like discipline to describe my time in the Bible. But when I think about the start of this conversation, food or money, I never need discipline to force myself to eat more sugar. (laughs) Like, I need discipline to stop. It is so enjoyable that I never have to, like, talk myself into sugar. If there was just $100 bills, like, sitting out ready for me to grab, I'm never like, man, I should really get up and go get that. Like, I want it. and, And it's just like, I've never thought of the Bible in that same desirable way that I would around like juicy, delicious food and money. I appreciated the Bible, but I didn't enjoy it. Like I valued what the Bible was, but I didn't crave it. I would read it and like look for wisdom or an application to a story, but I didn't think about it and long for it. Like I would these other things we're talking about. And that's why I just... Woo! I get so excited about this because I have experienced as a believer my whole life this shift in how I view the Bible. And friend, I just want to invite you into that. And if I could just be like the spokesperson for the Bible (laughs) right now, the Bible's bomb. All right. I'm going to come up with a better slogan than that. But I mean, it's better than cash and sugar. That's a pretty good slogan. Maybe we'll go with that one. I'll get back to you on that. But I guess my question is, do you like the Bible? And not just for sermons um, on wisdom or lessons to teach your kids. Do you read the Bible for fun? Like, do you enjoy it like you enjoy eating chocolate cake? Do you consider it as valuable to your day as a whole extra paycheck (laughs) would be? And friend, if not, there's no guilt. Like, The cool piece about this is that it's an invitation. Like, there's an invitation to something more. And I just want to let you know that it is possible to enjoy the Bible that much. You don't have to be this deep-thinking theologian or a pastor in order to love the Bible that much. You can crave it like chocolate. That's what God tells us. Again, there was so long where I just thought this was exaggerated or it was a metaphor or that it really only applied to super spiritual vegans who probably don't like sugar anyway. Um, But as a fun-seeking, sugar-loving, buying nice things, spending lots of money, party girl from Akron, Ohio, I can tell you that it happened to me and I now love being in the Bible. And y'all... I straight up crave the thing. And I'm not going to say that every day. It's just this like glowing excitement. Like even just last week when I was sitting down to like spend time with God and I was going through first Corinthians and 
I'm in this chapter that I just like I'm not super excited about and I'm reading it and I read it and it's like, all right, that wasn't this sing from the sky experience. Um, But you know what? This morning, let me see where that verse was. I was reading the next chapter in First Corinthians as I'm like slowly making my way through. And I got to a verse that I had never, ever heard before in all of my churchy years. Let me see if I can find it here. And it just blew me away. So I still haven't figured out what all this means, but I was in 1 Corinthians 8, 3 this morning. And it said, if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And I was like, wait, what is, what is that? <laughs> what does that mean? So if I love God, then that means that then the creator of the universe knows me. So I've been trying to figure out what this means. I went to a cross-reference in Galatians 4.9, and it says, But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again? And I was like, what? Okay, so it says, Now that you have come to know God, comma, or rather be known by God. Like Paul is saying, those are essentially one and the same things. Like as you come to know God, you are known by God. So that sent me down a whole tailspin of looking up what that means and what the word know means and all the other verses in the Bible where that same word is used. And I don't have like this perfect answer or solution yet, but that's just an example of like what has begun to happen this last two years as I have started to crave the Bible like sugar and cash money and and seek like treasure in this word. I mean, it is just, it is just, it, it is better than sugar. Uh, and again, this, this isn't because I'm super spiritual. I just want to keep reminding you of that. This is the work of God in our lives. This is the work of of desiring more of him and asking God to help you pursue more and more and more. And you're invited. Like, if you want that, you, you know, maybe you are experiencing that. Maybe you've experienced that for 10 years. If so, I'm pumped about that. And I'm so excited to learn more from you, sweet listener, as you write into me about what your love for the Bible has looked like and grown over the years. But if you're not there, if you're like, no, girl, I'd rather the chocolate cake, um, would you consider asking God to give you a taste for the Bible? Are you willing to spend time in it to get to know God and learn to love it as much as you do chocolate? Okay, so it doesn't stop there. Oh, and by the way, I meant to say, if chocolate isn't your thing, so my husband, he doesn't like sweets, which... That's a whole nother issue. But he really likes salty food. So like after dinner, instead of a piece of chocolate cake, he would rather like a hot dog. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Like the happiest I've ever seen him in like the past few months was one day. It was like after dinner, we had already put Harvey to bed and we went outside and our neighbor, hello, Mary Beth, brought him over a hot dog off the grill that they had just finished grilling. And Caleb looked like a little kid going to Disney World. So I guess I could change the verse a little bit. Like... God is better than cash and hot dogs, if that's more your thing. So anyway, okay, so it doesn't stop there. Psalm 19 and Psalm 119 are both chapters of the Bible that really give beautiful descriptions of what the Bible can be 
in your life, in my life, for all of us. Um, And there was a few verses in Psalm 19 that really blew me away. So I just want to talk about these a little bit more um, and kind of what stood out to me about some of these um, points in these verses. So Psalm 19, 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. All right, so let's start with these four different words used um, that the author is talking about God's word. He says the law, the testimony, the precepts, and the commandments, all of the Lord. Um So when I looked up definitions for these, the law, it was uh, described, or even in the message version of the Bible, I liked how they broke down what this was, the revelation of God. The testimonies of the Lord, they call them the signposts of God. The precepts of the Lord are the life maps that he gives us. The commandments of the Lord are his directions. So essentially like his word, his law, his direction, his wisdom, the revelations of who God is. That is what this whole section of verses is about. Okay, so now that we're talking about this, we're looking at these pieces of God and his word. Let's look at the adjectives, the words that are used to describe God's word. Perfect, which I looked up the definition for each of these um, in the original Hebrew because the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, is written in Hebrew. So perfect, which means complete and whole. Uh, God's word is sure, which means it stands firm. It's right, which means it's correct. It has no fault in it. And it's pure, meaning clean and sincere. Okay, so those are like some pretty important words. If there's a book that you're going to study to get to know God, like to get to know the God of the heavens, the God of creation, the God who was a part of all these stories in the Old Testament, the God who sent his son, Jesus, to make a right relationship with us, the God who created the idea of marriage and who created the idea of laughter and cucumbers in the garden, like all the things, okay? So to get to know God and his word, his word is perfect. It's sure. It's right. It is pure. Okay, so you can know that if you've grown up in the church and believe that that's true. Like you could be like, yes. (laughs) Like no one's going to argue with those things if you believe in God. You're going to be like, yeah, of course I agree the Bible is perfect and sure and right and pure. But like Hannah... Sugar is still better. And like, I get it. I hear you. Okay. But just go one step further. Okay. So in this verse, in Psalm 19, 7 and 8, the end of each like description, the law of the Lord is perfect. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The precepts of the Lord is right. At the end of each thing, it says not just what it is, but what God's word does for us. Okay. Are you ready for this? This is a list of the four things from these two tiny verses of what God's word does for us. It revives our soul. It makes us wise. It rejoices our heart and it enlightens our eyes. Now, 
I just like that that rhymes. I mean, I didn't do that. That's straight out the word. <laughs> but, you know, some creative juices in the Bible. I feel like I should honestly, like, come up with a poetic way or maybe a rap to say that. It revives the soul. Yo, it makes us wise. Rejoices our heart. Enlightens our eyes. I will get a hold of a Christian rapper to see if he can help me out. Anyway, okay. That list is baller. I'm sorry. Like, step back and re-listen to that. Could you imagine having access to something that does that for us, revives us, brings us wisdom, rejoices our heart? Do you know the feeling of having a rejoicing heart and enlightening our eyes? Like, opening your eyes do you, have you had that feeling when your eyes have been opened to something that you've like never seen before? Like I remember my five year wedding anniversary for Caleb. We with Caleb, obviously. <laughs> I've only been married once. It is to Caleb. <laughs> We're about to celebrate ten years of marriage, just as an FYI. But for five years, we went to a trip out west, and I had never been to like this area of the country. And I remember just like hiking through Yellowstone. And seeing these things I had never seen before, this feeling of my eyes being enlightened, like this joy of seeing something I had never seen before, or this feeling of rejoicing in my heart. I can remember with this um, when Harvey was first born, my son, and I remember someone that um, was like, that means a lot to me, holding Harvey for the first time, and she started crying. And and that's what I think of when I think of a rejoicing heart, like this overwhelming emotion of joy in your heart. Do you get that feeling ever? It like feels like it's echoing in your soul. I had, I actually had this um, recently. We, for the first time amidst coronavirus, had Caleb's entire family and my entire family together in the same place. And um, I, I just felt like a rejoicing in my heart. Um, a reviving in our soul. Like, can you think of a time where you have felt just at the end of everything, just exhausted and tired and um, weary? And you either had a person come alongside you um, and were able to kind of break away from that for a little bit or you finally got rest or you got a diagnosis that you could start working towards a solution or like something that it just felt like my soul feels revived. Um, As an introvert or extrovert, this might play out different in you. Like maybe it's finally getting that alone time after a long freaking day (laughs) or maybe it's like putting up your feet and laughing with some of your best friends reviving our soul. Guys, this is what God says the Bible can do for us. I just for so long operated like it was this storybook and this rule manual and this instructions for God, like these basic, I remember hearing that, like it's just instructions before leaving the earth. It's just like ways to, you know, know how to do the right thing. But this thought of it reviving my soul and rejoicing my heart. All right, so let's take this one step further. Did you notice? Did you notice, friend? 
anything s- special about that that little list that <laughs> that little rap I hit you there with? Does that sound familiar? Your heart, your soul, and your mind. I think of Matthew twenty-two. Everyone's sitting around asking Jesus, "All right, brother, lay it on us. What is the greatest commandment in the entire Bible?" Jesus, out of everything you teach, everything you talk about, what is the most important? And Jesus looked at them and he said very simple words. It's in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That was the, that was the greatest commandment. He then very quickly follows it with, and the next greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. But this loving God with your heart, soul, and mind, how in the world can we unlock the ability to do that, to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. How is it possible to fall in love with your creator so deeply that your life is completely oriented around him all day long? How in the world can you view time with God as the sweetest thing on the entire planet? How can we do the one thing that God says is the most important thing to do with our entire lives? Psalm 19 tells us, it says that as you spend time in God's word, he does this for you. Are you kidding me? He freaking revives our soul and makes us wise. Our mind rejoices our heart. Like when he invites us and calls us and asks us to love him with our heart, soul, and mind, he literally has given us the key in order to do that. As we get to know him in his word, it promises us that it then fills us with the ability to love him with our heart, soul, and mind. What? That is sweet. Like, there's just, there's nothing cooler than that. There isn't. And for me, so much of that enjoyment, so much of getting to interact with the Bible in this sugar-coated, cash-money, treasure way, was when I started shifting how I viewed the Bible. Um, I started shifting from this being this worldview to it being a relationship. Shifting from, man, this is a discipline, to, God, this is the key to get to know you. Shifting from, man, I got to figure out how to act in a way that would make God happy, Or what does this book tell me about me? Or what does this book tell me about my identity and who I am? And instead say, God, what does this teach me about you? Another step that was so crucial for me, which I've talked about before, is actually learning how to read the Bible. Um, You would think that I would know this. (laughs) I would think I would know this. I was in Christian school from kindergarten to senior year in college. I was in church my entire life. I am surrounded by friends and people who love the Lord. I have bookshelves and bookshelves of books about Jesus. But if I was just handed a Bible, besides just like flipping to a few pages and being like, okay, the story of Moses, I think I've heard this one before. I didn't really know what to do with it. 
We've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, the resource Simply Bible for me, loved it, loved that. Uh, really, really helped me learn how to read the Bible and how to um, take it past just like the words that are on the page and not always rely on a pastor or a podcast host to tell me what's going on, but to actually learn to read it and enjoy it and find those sugar-coated treasures for myself. I will tell you that um, some days it's great and some days it's hard. Just that reminder. I actually, earlier this year, right at the beginning of 2020, I was spending time with God and I was saying, God, I just want more of you. Like if there's more of it, I want it. I want to crave you more. I want to um, just like wake up desiring you more. And I don't like there's so many other things that I want. And uh, I happened to like listen to this podcast and was talking to a friend and she was talking about doing this 40 day fast from sugar. And I was like, that sounds hor- <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Oh, word. If you know Enneagrams at all, I'm a seven, which the tagline for a seven is literally like the more the better. Like restraining anything is very, very difficult for a seven. So the thought of like not partaking of something enjoyable is it goes against everything in me. But guys, I have gotten to this point where I I'm saying to God, there's nothing that I wouldn't trade for more of you. I want more. So this led me into a uh, month-long like fast from sugar. And it wasn't because sugar's bad. It wasn't because, I mean, it's delightful. I'm drinking a sugary latte right now. <laughs> but during this month, I said, God, the, the th- what sugar does for me, the happiness I feel when I drink it, the craving I have when I wake up to put it in my coffee, Will you do that for me? Like, will you fulfill me in the same way that sugar does? Is that possible? And it was hard, but it was this month of saying like, God, I'm not doing this because I'm trying to prove how much I love you. Like, look, I'm willing to give up sugar. But I'm just constantly saying, God, will you reorient my taste buds and my cravings so that I desire you the most? Um, so that might be a next step for you. Maybe it's just getting into the word. Maybe it's taking some of these things that you desire and are craving and saying, God, if I remove these, will you instead fill a desire for you and for your word and to get to know you? I don't know what that looks like for you, but friend, I just want to scream it from the rooftops, which is why I bought a microphone to get on a podcast (laughs) because I just want you to taste it, friend. I I want you to experience this sweetness that's hiding in this old book that I just kind of glossed over for the last 10 years. And when you prioritize getting into God's word and saying, God, I want to know you through these pages, buckle up, y'all, because it is better than stacks of cash and slices of chocolate cake. I think one unintended perk of this podcast has been getting to interact with you all as listeners and um, getting feedback or hearing things that you're learning or that God has been teaching you as you've been listening or 
Um, like I just got a great text this week from Kenzie who was talking about going through her first Simply Bible and being ecstatic. Um, or I got a message from Jill who went through the book A Call to Die that I had recommended and asked, um, what does it mean to you to meditate on God's word? Like, I love this stuff. So friends, keep sending in those questions or those thoughts um, or any recommendations or things you'd like to hear on the podcast and about experiencing the more with God. You can head to hannahnitz.com just on the top, click say hello. Um, if you have my number, you can text me. Hello, Kirsten. I loved getting your text this week. Uh, or you can look up on Facebook, There's More Podcast, and hang out there. I just posted a real cute picture of me and my husband and my baby from this last week. Uh, so you can always see that there. Spoiler alert, my husband now has a mustache. So thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I want you to know it. I want you to taste it, friend. It's so good. Just this joy and this beauty of getting to know God in this deeper, closer, personal way. I'm not sure if you've heard, (laughs) but there is more.